All right, and welcome. I'm Kelsey, and this is My Body, My Choice, My Voice, a podcast where we're going to demystify women's reproductive health and talk about women's experiences and opinions on certain issues. So my first guest, Anna Kaplan. Hi, Anna. Hey, Kelsey. (laughs) Um, Anna is a journalism student at Seattle University, and she's going to talk with me here, and I'm going to ask her some questions about her life and her experiences, and yeah. All right, so to start us off, tell us a little about a little bit about where you're from and where you received most of your education. Yeah, so I was born and raised in a suburb outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, so on the East Coast. Um, I got most of my education in, I got all of my education before coming to Seattle U in the public school system at, in North Carolina and then through my parents and Google. I would say that would Google, be my, my, always good. my trifecta <laughs> of knowledge. Yeah. What was your like health education like, like when you went to school? Um, yeah, we, from what I remember, I was just talking about this the other day with somebody. Um, I don't, I think we only learned about the female in quotes you can't see me doing quotes but just the female like body parts um I'm pretty sure North Carolina is at least when I was doing it I don't think we learned about sex at all and I I'm not even sure if we learned about the male body parts like I think it might have just been women and then I know for a fact we saw stuff about STDs so maybe we did learn about sex my memory is a little vague but Mm -hmm. like I remember seeing pictures of STDs and it's like scare tactics, I guess, about yeah. not having sex. Like abstinence only education. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's interesting that you like mostly only learned about like your own body. Yeah. When like, I don't know, I feel like you should know about everyone's yeah, body. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, do you feel like from that that you got like adequate like sex or reproductive health or do you feel like a lot of that like was kind of somewhat useless when you like got older and actually needed to know things yeah I don't I think I guess like learning the parts are important but I definitely did not receive the amount of education I should have through the public system I would say the majority of like what I know about like sex and like actually talking about periods is through like my family and my friends and the internet. <laughs> the internet is a great source sometimes when it's correct. Yes. Um, did you grow up in like a religious family? No, not at all. My mom is a Unitarian Christian and then my dad is Jewish, but they didn't raise me with any sort of religion. So nope. Interesting. Yeah. Different from other North Carolina yeah, kids. Yeah, for sure. My parents are both uh, like native New Yorkers, so okay. that's city people. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like not having a super religious background kind of shaped your perceptions on like reproductive health care as a young person? I wouldn't say. I guess. I guess like in an inadvertent way, yes. Because from what I imagine, if people grow up in like very strict religious families, then their perceptions of sex and like reproductive health would be a lot different than mine but I wasn't I wasn't raised with any sort of religious anything at all so I think that I don't know Mm -hmm. probably (laughs) do you think that your perceptions now are different than they were maybe when you were like just becoming a teenager or just learning about these things yeah I feel like I'm 
even just talking on this podcast, I like I was like a little hesitant to even say sex. Like <laughs> so definitely from when I was younger, like that was not <laughs> even like a word that I would like utter out loud. But yeah. like yes, definitely. I it's think like Voldemort. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um yes, definitely. I think I feel like when you're younger it's just like more taboo in general. Like people like don't talk about that but now that you're older I think it's a little bit more yeah recognized (laughs) yeah so like when as you were growing up or in high school or after that did you ever use any method of birth control or do you still use one and if so what method do you use yeah so in high school I only used condoms I was very against taking the pill um just from like I guess sort of like horror stories I had read online and like the pill I would say like objectively isn't good for your body there's a lot of side effects that people go through taking the pill I know that's not the only form of birth control but I was like really against taking that but then um I was diagnosed with endometriosis and one of the first things that your doctor will do to try and combat your symptoms is put you on birth control. So that was the point where I started taking it. And now I do take it for my health reasons as well as having sex. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I feel like that's really common too for a lot of people is having kind of this fear of like the symptoms or like side effects, I guess, because there are a lot of side effects. But as you said, like it also helps with so many other things and like worst problems so moving from that because you mentioned endometriosis would you like to tell us what endometriosis yeah yeah for sure um so endometriosis is when the lining of your uterus grows in a lot of different places than where it's supposed to so in me personally I ended up having surgery for um the removal of my endometriosis in June I had a lot growing on like the outside of my uterus I had some on my intestines so both my large and small intestine like my colon and my rectum and so it's just very bad because whenever your body is menstruating you're shedding the lining of your uterus but that's really problematic when it's not in the lining of your uterus and it's shedding into your body and it's really painful and yeah do you think being on the birth control pill has helped with like some of those symptoms I would say it definitely helped But I would say, like, I was on the pill for a little less than a year before I had my surgery, and it helped. I would say it was, like, probably the equivalent of taking Advil. Like, like it it didn't solve my problems in any way, but I would say it was beneficial. Yeah, definitely. And endometriosis is, like, way more common than I think a lot of people think. Or a lot of people don't know what it is. Yeah. Or, like other what other hormonal disorders like exist like PCOS for example um yeah and so with like birth control that like makes me think of like how it can be so beneficial for some people but there's so many different kinds of methods and like for that reason that not every method is for everyone exactly and so just for a little fun how many birth control methods can you name at the top of your head okay (laughs) uh the pill condoms like withdrawal and appropriate yeah Yeah, no that's an official term actually all right all right um iud Mm -hmm. the implant 
Yeah. Um, isn't there the one where you like watch your cycle and then like you don't have sex when you're ovulating? Is that? I think that yeah. is an official one, yeah. even though it's not something that you officially need to get from yeah. like a provider or yeah. something. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting much more, but. No, yeah, you did great. <laughs> like those are like some of the top ones. Like you start like the IUD and the pill, I think are the most popular right mm-hmm. now. But, like, there's other things, like you said. Like, there's also a shot, which yeah, is interesting. Yeah. And then there's also, like, there have been studies done recently about the male birth control oh, yeah. pill. I don't think it's actually, like, enacted yet or, like, yeah. people can actually get it. But there's definitely being research done, which is interesting. So, like, when you're accessing this birth control or, like, receiving care for anything like endometriosis, do you feel like you have that that control when making decisions about your body yes but I want to I come from an amount of privilege where I have health insurance I can go to the doctor wherever Mm -hmm. I want I can I was able to have this surgery like yes I feel like I'm in control but I think that there's a lot of outside factors that Mm -hmm. lead me to be able to get to that point Mm -hmm. do you think that there are other people in your life like whether your family or like someone in a relationship with that you feel like has any influence in those decisions or do you feel very autonomous in those decisions? I feel like everything is my own decision and I'm very lucky that I have very supportive people in my life who are willing to like my parents for example to like pay for this surgery Mm -hmm. and that they have jobs that have health insurance benefits and things like that so like Yes, I made all those decisions, and I feel like I was very in charge of my health, but I want to recognize that there was a lot of other people alongside me, behind me, and all like that. Yeah. I think that's super important to recognize, too, that, like, you, are, you like, have the access to yeah. get, like, treatment for something like that when there are a lot of women that exist that, like, don't even know they have it for one exactly. or just don't have enough money or resources for yeah. that. So, Good. So moving from birth control, we're going to talk a little bit about consent. And this ties back into, like, health education and just because I think it's a huge topic right now especially. Um, do you think that there is, like, adequate education around, like, sexual consent in the U.S.? And then if yes, what are we doing well? Or if no, like, what do you think we could do better? Um, I would say no in terms of young people in general Mm -hmm. like consent was not was not anything I formally learned in high school and I think that's pretty important that Mm -hmm. you know I mean you know my dad's sitting there like you can say no whenever you want like but I mean like that wasn't anything that I heard from anyone else besides my mom and my dad before I came to college and then I would say in college Seattle U specifically that's all I have knowledge of is doing like a decent job we had like that like required online training talking about consent and everything but I don't think that that necessarily you know nails it on the head like Mm -hmm. you're not like I don't know I don't think I would say in short no I don't think enough is being done to teach people about consent I think you can teach consent in very accessible ways to very young children like not Mm -hmm. even just sexual consent but just learning that when people say no they mean no and when people say yes they might even not 
truly Mm -hmm. like mean yes like if you're not hearing like a hard yes you're just like there's other signs Mm -hmm. that like you need to take that into account yeah and like you said like not even just sexual consent like it just any kind of physical consent like even like they talk about the stories like in elementary children like maybe like there's a little boy that runs around and like tries to kiss girls yeah and like because they're still young people are like oh they're just playing around exactly. but like that could like be more serious later down the road if he's doing that when maybe the girls don't want to be kissed. exactly exactly and so I think it starts from a very young age but we just don't treat it seriously until it's like too late yeah yeah and so and like there's because there's been a lot of like talk about that with like politically um do you think that like as policy changes have happened like nationwide or statewide that that's had any effect on like your emotional health like when you see that these changes are happening yes um I think it obviously has an emotional effect like when I feel like it's just been very recently that the public has been taking allegations seriously like for example like r kelly has been accused of so many things for decades and Mm -hmm. even now it's still like not he hasn't been like charged with anything or like anything like that so i think yes like hearing about those things definitely takes like a toll on my emotional health like it's hard to not get like worked up about those things like even Mm -hmm. And I think we're somewhat lucky, too, that we, like, live in, like, a state like Washington or, like, somewhere on the West Coast where I feel like the laws are much more accessible to women. At least, obviously, we could do way better. But, yeah, like, yeah. but definitely, I think we're ahead, like, like where you're from, North Carolina, I think there are much stricter laws yeah. and, like, maybe harder ways to access birth control, especially if you don't have insurance, like, health insurance. Yeah. Because the out-of-pocket costs can get really crazy. Exactly. Yeah, and, like, because, like, the media has talked a lot about it, like, a bunch of different news sources, like, do you think that the media has any role in, like, improving women's health at all? Yeah, definitely. I think, I think, I was just talking about this with someone the other day, um, law enforcement has the authority to charge people with crimes and, you know, laws (laughs) or law (laughs) enforcement, but I would say that things like journalism and the media have more authority to charge people on more moral issues Mm -hmm. like um like power instances of power like being a power hungry person isn't a crime Mm -hmm. but like when like it allows the public to shape their own opinions and then the public can go and be like you know all these power hungry people are also maybe you know like being sexually bad (laughs) (laughs) committing sexual misconduct I guess is what I was meaning to say and the public can then go and tell their local um, governments or even the federal government, you know, that these laws are inadequate and um, can make change through those means. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's super good. (laughs) Um, Yeah, because I think especially even with just like titles of articles, it has so much effect, especially if someone's writing about like women's reproductive health issues or women's issues, like how like how that can like change someone's perspective if they say don't already agree with like women's health yeah yeah and and like with that do you think that like women's health has even been given like the attention it deserves no no not at all um I would say a lot of 
interesting things I've read. There's this one article that came to mind that's in The Atlantic. Um, I think it was came out in 2015 or 2016, but basically it was saying that women, when they go to emergency rooms or even the doctor, their pain is not taken seriously. Yeah, I read that too. Yeah, yeah. and like... Um, I think it's just things like that. I've just recently read an article about endometriosis that was like, this is what it is. And it has so many different side effects for any person that has it, Mm -hmm. that um, it's hard for people to be like, oh, I have that because it can manifest itself in so many ways with each person. And I think that that's also in part due to there hasn't been a lot of research done on things like endometriosis and PCOS, because I think it is a women's issue and people aren't dedicating money to solving those problems so I think like maybe like I think I'm getting off the topic of the question but (laughs) like (laughs) like if um like women's health issues were better funded for research and stuff you Mm -hmm. know there wouldn't be a list of 30 different side effects you could be having for Mm -hmm. either of those two disorders and it could be more narrow and they could figure out what is actually causing these things yeah like there's a lot of misconceptions conceptions like purely because there's not research to back it up exactly and that goes into a larger (laughs) social cultural issue of like men's in power women's subordination and like because power like like stems into like how money is funded and where that money goes and that like it's a huge cycle so yeah And so, like, with that, like, why do you think it's important for women personally, like, even though they might not have control on, like, a larger political spectrum, like, why is it important for women to prioritize their health? Well, I think it's, it's, can sometimes be a matter of life and death. It can sometimes be a matter of being able to work and not being able to work. I mean, like, women, first of all, women, women shouldn't have to be the forefront of their own, you know, medical issues. I think just the U.S. medical sector could be improved a lot where you're not having to go into the doctor and say, like, I am in pain, help me. Mm -hmm. I think maybe it could be a bit more proactive from the other side, but I think it's important for women to advocate for themselves because, like, they matter. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That brings me to like a story with myself. Um, this was before I found out that I had polycystic ovary syndrome, but I had to go to the ER because I ended up having a cyst, mm-hmm. but I was in so much pain, like more pain than I'd ever had in my life. Yeah. But when we sh- like showed up there, they were like, oh, you're just having a bad period. Yep, yep. And they like did totally devalued yeah. the pain I was experiencing. And I was like, no, like this is way more painful yeah. than that. Yeah. And like, it's way more serious. Cause I wouldn't like, I wouldn't come to the ER if I was just having exactly. like, a little period, exactly. like, you know, I like, yeah. And so it's interesting. Like, and that was a woman that said that to me, yeah. surprisingly. Yeah. So like, just a lot of times we don't think about how much pain that there yeah, can be. Going yeah. off of that, every time I've gone to the emergency room, for anything that's been a problem below my belly button, it's all I've always been asked, are you on your period? Are are you sure you're not on your period? Mm-hmm. Like, are you sure you're not PMSing? And like, I have had like blood in my urine from a UTI that's gotten mm-hmm. so bad. Like, they're like, are you sure you're not on your period? I'm like, 
yes, I would be able to distinguish when I'm peeing and there's period blood mm-hmm. there or if I'm actually peeing blood. And then I had a kidney stone also almost two years ago now. And my doctor was like, are you sure you're just not cramping? Are you sure? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I would not be here if I was just having my period. And I yeah. think that that's like a question that they need to ask, but could it be asked in a less condescending way? Yes. Yeah, yeah definitely. <laughs> And I think that also just goes to say that even a lot of health professionals I know are still kind of uneducated about a lot of women's reproductive health issues, like besides the basics, which we know so many women experience much more than like a basic period. Yeah. Um, Because I remember I had a primary health provider that didn't even know like what polycystic ovary syndrome was. And so I had to do my own research and find a different provider that would like give me more information. Yeah. And that's like, (laughs) yeah, that's like crazy that there are some like really great health providers that are so smart. They like have all their education, but they still just like were never educated about this. Yeah. And I think that it should be a requirement that like every health provider knows what these things are. So that way they can help their patients when their patients need help. Yeah. And so another resource for people who say, like, don't have a good health provider that can help them with things or they don't have health insurance is Planned Parenthood. Yes. So have you ever been to Planned Parenthood? I have been, but not for a, like, visit myself. Mm -hmm. I went with one of my friends when she um, was dealing with a possible pregnancy scare. So that was my I was in the waiting room with her. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. From or like what can from what you can remember, like what was that experience like or did your friend have a good experience? Yeah, she did. Basically, she was really afraid that she was pregnant and um, she like took a bunch of the like drugstore pregnancy tests and they all came back negative. But her period was just like really late and she was really paranoid. Mm-hmm. And they from what I understand, they took her back and like um, like did like. They were like, she told them what happened Mm -hmm. and they were like, okay, well, I can pretty much assure you that you're not pregnant, but we're like willing to do like a urine test to like prove it and Mm -hmm. helped her out. And then she wasn't on um, birth control at that point. She was just using condoms and um, they got her hooked up with birth control and Mm -hmm. sent her on her way. So it seemed like a very positive experience to me. I don't want to speak on behalf of her. Right. No. Yeah. I think it's good because they offer so much more than like just that obviously I think that's a huge thing they deal with is like pregnancy scares or people who are just not prepared to have a baby yeah but they also like can offer like counseling too which is interesting which I've never like utilized that personally but I've like read stories about people how it was really helpful for them especially if like you come from an area that maybe is not as accepting of Mm -hmm. certain things or you don't have anybody in your life that like is willing to listen or be supportive yeah and so I think they're a great place for that if you don't already have that in your life Mm -hmm. and so yeah Planned Parenthood you can go on their website if you want (laughs) to learn more there are many locally and hopefully there should be more in other states yeah um, so we're kind of gonna wrap it up a little bit. But Already? Yeah, I know. We're there's so much more we could talk about. <laughs> but do you have any like advice for anybody that would listen to this about just anything about, you know, dealing with like reproductive issues or just like physically or emotionally? And this could yeah, anything from like healthcare providers and more. Yeah, I wanna just touch on what Kelsey was just talking about. Um, like 
when I first went to my first OBGYN, she actually misdiagnosed me with PCOS. Mm -hmm. So, like, she was knowledgeable about that. And I feel like there are so many, like, cross crossing over of Mm -hmm. symptoms between PCOS and endometriosis that like it made sense that like based on what I told her I was diagnosed I was diagnosed with that but then she put me on birth control and then I actually moved from North Carolina to Seattle so I couldn't see her anymore and then I went to a new OBGYN and she was basically I was like I'm like I was diagnosed with PCOS and she was like okay well like based on what you're telling me I don't think that you would be diagnosed with PCOS but like I'm like okay then like what's wrong with me like mm-hmm. what why am I in pain and she's like oh well like you might have endometriosis but you would have to do surgery and like I like you know I don't think that you would be a candidate for that and I was just kind of like okay and then things got consecutively worse very quickly and you know I feel like if I wasn't just googling these things mm-hmm. and like act like very ardently like like being involved with my own like health safety I Mm -hmm. guess like that I basically got so I was in so much pain all the time I was being I was so upset that like I ended up searching like endometriosis specialists in Seattle and I like booked an appointment with my current doctor and she just like brought me in she's like yes like I feel like you could have endometriosis but like I can't diagnose with diagnose you until you have surgery which I think is like a really (laughs) awful thing too like I was like but she was super knowledgeable and she was like helping me through all that. But it, if I hadn't reached out to that doctor, I wouldn't have had the surgery I had. And I was sitting there the day of my surgery. My doctor came in before I went under and she's like, again, I just want to reiterate, I have no idea if you have it right now. I will not have it until I cut you open. And I don't know how severe it will be until I cut you open. And like, we're just going to go from there. And I was just like, all right like sitting in my surgical gown you know like that's scary yeah and it's crazy that like for a disease that affects so many people Mm -hmm. that like that like you're you're just going in blind you know like you have no idea what they're gonna find and I think it's just crazy that like basically moral of that story is that if you think something's wrong with you they're probably is something wrong with you and like don't stop until you get an answer because somebody will be there eventually down the line to help you and like you're not going to be like that forever you're not going to feel bad forever and yeah that's my that's (laughs) no that's good advice like being proactive with your own health especially when I think we're taught from a young age that certain things don't matter or like certain pain like doesn't matter yeah but that's crazy that like that you had to go to surgery to, like, find out yeah. instead of having a test before to, yep. like, confirm that, like... Because yeah. surgery is a huge deal. Yeah. There's there's no way to test for endometriosis until they cut you open and see it with their own eyes. And I think that's absolutely yeah. insane. I think, hopefully, with, like, more, like, money and research that, like, there, like, there has to be, like, yeah. another way yeah. that they can, like, be like, okay, this is what you have before, like, putting you down for surgery. Yeah, exactly. But... That's crazy, but thank you for sharing that. I think that's useful stuff to know, (laughs) and I'm glad that I had you here. (laughs) And, yeah, this was our first episode, and if you, like, want, like, change to happen politically, like, Senate.gov is a great website to go to where you can learn how to, like, write your senators, write the congressmen, because I think we, if anything is going to happen, we need more and more people to speak up about it. So if you have something to say, say it. 
And then again, if you need like a resource for someone to talk to, or if your health current health provider isn't providing as much information as you need, go to Planned Parenthood. And then if you have any like questions or concerns about anything that Anna and I <laughs> talked about today, please feel free to reach out for any questions, comments, or concerns. So thank you, Anna. Thanks, Kelsey. <laughs> cool.